listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. No. Who are you? No, I'm not Jen. (laughs) I almost said I was Jennifer to see if that would throw you off. (gasps) Oh. Try that next time. I will. Now I gave it away. Damn it. Guys, we're your resident best friends, if you couldn't tell. We're here to help you along your relationship journey. Think of us as your very own fun fairies, bringing joy to the process and sprinkling love dust all over the place because... It takes a village, and we're your community. And you can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell a friend. Tell the village, guys. This is so helpful because it shows that we have a loyal and growing audience, helps us bring you fab offers, and it keeps the lights on for us over here, keeps the show running, and contributing to the village. And today we have mentor and relationship coach Lori Jean Glass in to discuss how to create and maintain healthy relationships, why and how childhood trauma affects adult relationships, and listen as Lori analyzes our relationships live on air. I'm so excited. And nervous. Yeah. Lori Jean is an educator, mentor, relationship coach, and public speaker offering solutions for people having relationship challenges. She is current, passionate, and determined to help others. Lori Jean works diligently to repair and restore relationships, both personal and in the workplace. She is a trained interventionist and certified relationship professional and bereavement coach. She's facilitated trainings to help clinicians see different perspectives when diagnosing and treating process addictions, love addiction, love avoidance, sex addiction, and codependency, all the big ones. She is the CEO and founder of Pivot, a relationship alignment group that can be found at lovetopivot.com. Lori Jean created the Pivot Process, which is a curriculum created to help people repair and restore relationships. Pivot is comprised of certified and trained coaches and therapists who help individuals, couples, families, and businesses. Lori Jean was also the executive director of clinical operations for Five Sisters Ranch until the founder retired. Lori Jean founded and opened the Glass House, which is a residential workshop program designed for individuals, couples, and families who want to take a deep dive into the pivot process to achieve immediate relational repair and growth. I mean, I love a good repair and growth. Yeah. I I mean, I think there's so many different levels here of what you can learn and how you can be coached. And Lori just basically offers them all. I cannot wait for her to analyze us slash again, still terrified. Still scared. (laughs) Scared she's going to be like, well, this is why you're single, Jennifer. Uh, I mean, Lord knows what she's going to, I mean, you want to hear what the truth and what she has to say and her expert opinion, but then also like, the truth sometimes hurts a little bit. Sure does. So anyway, in normal, it's complicated fashion. We're going to keep it complicated. So I have just been really focusing on myself and friend time. So like if I'm not with friends, I'm home. I guess we'll call it restoring and repairing myself so that I can then regenerate and go back out into the world and have fun with everybody. Um, So I've been doing a lot of that. I also went on a date. Um, So I almost didn't go, but then I was like, how am I to meet people if I don't go? But then I'm like, no night is good, Sunday especially. But then of course, what night is good? So I pushed myself basically and was like, it's two hours. I can hit the eject button if need be. So I went and we met nearby um, where I live, which is great and always something I'm more apt to do if they position it very conveniently for me. So we go... We chat. He laughs at everything I say. It seems to be like he's interested in me, but I was so bored of him and like nothing he could have done differently. It's just, I think our personalities and like just character did not line up. Um, I don't find him to be that interesting, I guess, because, you know, somebody might, and that's great. He works at a, like a gaming company and does certain things, but like, we just didn't have a, like a lot to talk about. So I would just like rant and tell stories and he would laugh at them. And I was like, I guess this will do for today's sake, but I don't see longevity in this dynamic. Um, so I actually let him know, of course, the next day when he asked me for plans and I said, I it was great meeting you. 
Um, I appreciate your time. However, I get more friend vibes than romantic vibes. Hope you can understand. So he didn't even write me back, which I thought was telling as well, because, you know, obviously no one likes to be rejected, but it sort of cements it even more that I was right to not give somebody a chance if they don't even have the character to reply and say, totally hear you. Thanks for being honest. Or, you know, bummer, that sucks. I enjoyed meeting you too, but I appreciate your honesty and, you know, well, wish you the best. I, I do think you did give them a chance though, because this is one of those things where the chance that you, the time that was allotted, you could tell better in that time frame just because okay the window for giving someone a chance isn't like three dates the window for giving someone a chance is when you get to the point where you feel secure in whatever next step you want to take whether that's date number two or goodbye that's the chance window you gave him the chance that was the date and then you decided you were sure that you didn't want to you didn't feel like it was something that you wanted to continue with because you weren't that interested in him. So, well, thank you for giving me all that credit. I think <laughs> that giving him like you're now now to then go, okay, well, I was right to not continue to give him a chance. Like you weren't in question. You were just like, no, this is doesn't seem like something that I'm all that interested in and that's totally fine. I'm well, I got to say that, you know, again, well, you always talk about how people say that I'm too picky or just in general people will comment that and they're not in your shoes and they don't know what you want and they don't know what's right for you, but they still say it. So I do always second guess myself and say like, man, did I cut that person off too quickly? Did I like rip the bandaid too fast? Am I being, you know, too short to give somebody like more of a chance? Every single time I do that though, I tend to be right about myself because I am living in this life. So I, I do feel that I know myself, but I can't help but second guess it because I'm like, well, I'm the one who's still single and I'm the one who's still not liking anybody. So maybe it is me. Maybe Lori will tell me that. Yeah. I think that, and and there could be a small percentage or some sort of a percentage that is that. I don't think it's ever that black and white. Like, oh, it's just that I wasn't interested at all. There could be a part of you that's also just like tired and annoyed and less willing to give a chance or whatever. But the main overarching message that was being sent from your gut to your brain was that you just weren't feeling it. So fucking what then? You just weren't really feeling it. There was no interest in going on date number two. You don't really need to be more specific than that. And there were good things about this guy that you're going to take into the next one. Like you like that he reached out to you, that he picked a convenient place based on where you live, that that is important to you. And he messaged you the very next day to go out just because you didn't want to go out with him, but all those things you like. So that was good. Yeah. Okay. It's just that you yeah. weren't feeling it. You can't, sorry, but you can't. And listen, next time you may be like, you know what? I wasn't feeling it, but like, I want to go out with this guy again because I want to see if I feel it the next time. Then if you change your mind then and you give the chance means date number two, then great. Like there will be a reason why your gut is telling you that. This time you just weren't that into him. So who fucking cares? Yeah. Say lobby. Goodbye. Goodbye. Um, I had a quick trip to San Francisco, which is easy because it's actually a quick trip. Um, I was going to a really good family friend surprise party and um, it was fun to like kind of be in and out, like in the luxury that I'm from the Bay Area and like I can go see friends and then come back real quick. Um, it was it was nice and everyone was like asking about the baby and like because I'm obviously I was like wearing a moo the whole time because nothing fits and they were just like oh you're you know everyone was like really seeing me pregnant so that was fun the house renovations like the sledgehammers and full swing um and I'm starting to take time to I think focus on the baby like baby showers are being planned I finally think I completed the registry, but like, talk about second guessing. I second guess everything. Like, did I forget this thing? Which, who fucking cares? And I just buy it if I forget it. Right. Not that I have like some unlimited budget where I can just buy whatever I want, but like, you're, you're trying to like put everything down that you want. So there's like a list and like people can help you and support you, but like, it'll be fine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, been a lot of adulting right now. And like, doesn't really feel like there's a lot of personal time. Like I'm listening to you talk about your personal time, which is great. Like I just need to carve it out more, but it's just a lot happening right now. So I'm like, and like, then, you know, I'm a little bit afraid that that then comes back and reflects on like not having like a personal connection in the relationship because like James is at the house 
doing things. I'm home. Like we're, by the time we get home and like sit down on the couch to like maybe eat something or we're even eating separately, like it's nine o'clock and we're like both tired, which sounds so lame. And then we're like in bed. Like, well, your day starts early and it's full of all sorts of tasks. So I would I be know. tired too. I'm tired at four. So I know I am too. But then like, it's like, you know, then you think to yourself, like, even just like relationship things like sex and things like that. It's like, well, like, and then there's a part of me that's like, oh, God, I mean, should I be, maybe I should like make time to have sex right now because I mean, it's like, we're both tired and I get that, but you don't want it. Like some of those things, sometimes it doesn't feel romantic. We've talked about this on the show, but then you think like, I've got to set this up because I don't want someone to feel unsatisfied or, or me to be unsatisfied or then like to, for all of a sudden it's like two weeks later and you haven't even, you've just been like roommates with each other. Like, I feel like that could happen easily. So if you're ever in the position where things are busy, like sometimes it doesn't feel like, don't wait for the romance to like spark the sex or something like that. Sometimes you just have to like do it. And then I think it was sex with Emily said like, you just start it and then you like get into it and then it becomes sexy. But like, maybe you don't wait for the sexy moment and right. just do it. Also, I'm pregnant and like, it's all so many things, but also <sighs> like, I would say you are, your mind is in the right place as far as considering yeah. that this is a thing. But at the same time, this too shall pass. Like you're doing everything at once. And then all of a sudden the house will be done. The baby will be here. And then your focus is the baby versus like everything at one I time. Know. So you will also be ahead of schedule in terms of reminding yourself to make time for things because when the baby comes, you'll have to do that as well. But like the baby will go to sleep and then you'll have your time together. Yeah. But six weeks has to be, well, I guess our last guest, Andrea Barica, said that all depends on waiting to sex after baby. But um, sometimes you have to wait like six weeks. I'm like, that's kind of a long time. I mean, I don't feel like I need to have sex every five seconds. But then I'm talking about for him, though. I'm like, six weeks is a really long time to be like not doing sex. Well, you can do other things. But also at the yeah. same time, what like... What are you suggesting? Anal? That's not happening. Jen. Well, I don't know. You did it once with weird olive oil. You might as well bring that trend no! back. No! That's trending for 2020. No, it is not It's trending. coconut oil instead. No, no <laughs> Whatever. Happening. The point is you are on the right track in terms of making time, at least even for yourself. Forget about James right now. Yeah. For you, you should make some time to watch Love is Blind, maybe. Oh, yeah. I have started to watch it, and it's actually pretty fucking good. I mean, literally, I cannot wait to watch the wedding. So everyone needs to clear my schedule because I'm <laughs> going to be doing that, and no one can tell me no. Clear your schedules for Love is Blind. She's going to teach us how to pivot from childhood issues to healthy adult relationships without a lot of tissues. Welcome to the show, Lori. Hello. Hi. I Hi. mean, we went with the real cheesy intro, but like we had to because we want to talk to you about the pivot process and we definitely want to talk about childhood issues and trauma and how that relates to us in the adult world. So we are just going to get into it. Beautiful. All right. So Lori Jean had a personal experience with childhood trauma, and that was the reason to create the pivot process. Can you tell everybody what exactly is pivot? It's kind of a combination of like therapy, experiential, and uh, really great education all combined in one. Now we know if you go onto the website that talks about pivot and the pivot process, there's all these different tiers and different tabs and a lot of information. So um, pivot, it sort of like focused on looking to improve relationships um, for those who are like seeking help and want to shift their relational challenges quickly, then there's also personalized pivot. So what's the difference between the pivot process and how, and what specifically is personalized pivot? Well, we can work with people in many different ways. We have, I have a pivot academy, so I've trained different advocates all over the country to work with people. And the personalized pivots are for a unique individual one day experience with an advocate. So if you're really looking to change a dynamic in a relationship, i.e. possibly get a divorce, get married, um, there's complications with a, a child that might be an addict or whatever the situation is. Sometimes people that go 
and want to do work once a week for one hour, it's really, really hard to move the barometer and to really get underneath what's going on that's prohibiting somebody from pivoting and making a decision and getting into action. Personalized pivots are for a day. Then we also have the five-day intensives that are held at the Glass House, and that's located in Northern California. So people fly in from all over the country to take a deep dive into the pivot process to do a retreat for five days so they can leave there with more self-esteem and self-efficacy to show up better in relationships. That's amazing. That sounds like something I've always been like seeking, sort of like you go in as a what a caterpillar and you come out a butterfly. Like yeah. I want to, I would love to go into even like a cryo chamber and come out as like this renewed human being that has no like issues from like before the chamber. And, and this sounds very effective because like, like Lori Jean said, therapy, which is very helpful and we're advocates for is, you know, one day a week for an hour or something. This is just much more intense. It sounds like, which is good because if you're, if you're the type that wants to see a result right away, like this is, I mean, you know, everyone has a process, but this is going to potentially get you there a little bit quicker, just based on the nature of the game. That's absolutely right. And you know, many people, and I work with people, all kinds of people from celebrities to professional athletes. I've got a lot of, you know, stay home moms. I've got school teachers. We've got, our clientele is all across the board and it's effective on just about anybody that grew up in an environment that left them feeling like they're not enough. They're, you know, um, never satisfied, they're too much, they're, you know, whatever it is, a lot of these patterns that we take into relationships really onboarded at various parts of our developmental, you know, growth. When you look at developmental psychology, you know, we have specific stages that onboard specific ways to adapt in the world. And, and sometimes we don't even know our own way because we're so busy living life. So is there maybe like a checklist or something somebody could look at to see if they would be someone who would qualify to pivot? Or maybe like you've mentioned some of the things like looking to potentially get a divorce or um, how they're never satisfied and things like that. Is there like a longer list maybe someone could look at to see, man, I actually do need to pivot versus something that they think might be just a normal thing that happens to everybody? Well, it it is kind of a normal thing. I mean, we get people that just want to have more self-esteem and want to show up differently at work. You know, like you don't have to have a major crisis to engage with the pivot process. Like why, why not go from good to great in all your relationships? People don't understand boundaries. People don't understand attachment. I mean, when you think about it, we have so much access, especially with Instagram and social media and LinkedIn, like, we have all this access to how we're supposed to be, but it doesn't individualize it enough to let us know how we can be our best self based on who we are and where we come from. Like I, for example, you know, my, I don't know if you looked at my book at all, but you know, my father drowned when I was a little girl and my mom committed suicide when I was a teenager. And when I was growing up, I was a pretty girl. I was, you know, life of the party. I was, I was, you know, you would not have known that there was a broken heart in, in me. You know, I was working for L'Oreal. I was, I was living life, man. And inside I had this unmet longing that burned constantly. And the only time you would see it is if I drank too much. <laughs> oh, wow. Or, or I'm sure those that were maybe really close to you, like in relationships, I'm sure that came out like the childhood oh, drama. <laughs> oh yeah. I was a stage five Klingon, you know, but I also work with people that are huge avoidance and actually, I don't know how old y'all are, but you know, when you look at the younger generation that's growing up with technology, a lot of them are avoidance because the technology is doing the relationship for you. So when you get to be in relationship and you want to be intimate, that gets so complex. It's not complicated. No pun intended there, ladies. <laughs> but it's complex. So I love the pivot process because it uniquely looks at each individual and honors and respects them for who they are and where they come from. And that's the difference, really. Can you explain what avoidant is just for those that haven't learned about what that means? 
Sure. Yeah. I, I talk about it a lot in my book, hashtag healthy adult, you know, an avoidant personality is somebody who's really avoiding the relationship in order to not get engulfed. And typically they were either controlled, had a helicopter parent or grew up with a lot of chaos where they just don't want to deal. And people think that they're the new, the new word now, which is really laughable, I think, is the whole narcissistic personality disorders, really kind of a joke, because a lot of a lot of people that come to us are like, well, my boyfriend's he's narcissistic. It's like, do you really know what that means? You know, maybe he's getting into himself more and more and more because he can't handle you. That's a good point. We don't. It's all over the place. Yeah. talked about that on on a previous episode and we did talk about how that term gets like re, it's a tr- it's like trendy to say like if someone anybody who thinks oh yeah this person is like into themselves they just call them a narcissist or narcissistic personality but like the actual definition of that is so much more complex and and also different and to un- really understand what it is to be narcissistic or have a narcissistic tendency personality. It's just so much more than like, it's kind of the same thing when people say, Oh, he's has a big ego or he's egotistical. It's like, or, or listen to your ego or what is your ego saying? It's not, that is different than what people, most people think it is like an ego is this inner voice that comes from like a fear. And it's not necessarily like I'm conceited or narcissistic. All those things get lumped into this, like, dude or person who just cares about themselves. And it's just so much more complex than that. Well, so tell us more about Pivot and how it actually does work. So like you mentioned, you could go stay at the glass house for a week and do a deep dive or a full day. But what are some of the actual things that are put into practice while there? Well, if you work with an advocate, um, you know, one-on-one, you can, you can do that once a week. And, and if you don't come to the glass house and do the deep dive, then you can access your advocate by email, text messaging, calling, and a, and a session to go over the curriculum once a week. So you, we don't, you don't lose touch because that's where things get a little rough. Like you go in for an hour and then something that night might flare up. So the kinds of things we do with the different modules is we start off you know, with looking at your life from a whole perspective. So we look at the individual and what their profile is, not just emotionally, but also physically, intellectually, financially, and spiritually. And then we have a special system that goes in and helps them understand, rate themselves. You know, they do a lot of work around this foundation that we're helping them reestablish within themselves so they can look at themselves as through the whole perspective and start taking responsibility for feeling, managing, and tolerating their own feelings. Yeah, because a lot of people I'm sure come in, I mean, they want to, you know, better themselves, but a lot of people probably come in asking about relationship issues. And I'm sure there's a lot of blame and finger pointing on, like you said, oh, my boyfriend's a narcissist, or maybe my wife is a nagger, or there's a lot of finger pointing. And it it does really start with like taking responsibility for yourself and your own actions securities you bring into the situation or relationship. And you mentioned childhood trauma. We touched on that a little. So I think that's a good place to start too, since that's like a big, um, you know, foundational thing that a lot of issues stem from. So how it sounds like a general question, but some people don't really get how the connection from childhood trauma can affect someone's adult life because you just live your life and you don't realize like, this fear may come from that five-year-old who, like you said, lost a parent in this certain way or um, any other traumatic experience. But how can one tell that there's a childhood trauma? And, And by the way, this doesn't have to mean like the death of somebody. It could be like simpler or smaller, but it still affects you. How do you connect the two? Well, that's where pivot comes in because after the whole perspective, we go right into relational circle boundaries. So people get get stabilized in their current relationships before they take a deep dive into their past. That's the problem is people rush in to treat trauma or look in the rearview mirror without getting stabilized first. Then every time they rush in to do the work, they can't sustain the work that needs to be done because they're constantly getting triggered. 
once they start going deep. So after the whole perspective, we do a whole process around relational boundaries so people can understand the relationships that they have in their life through categories that they determine of how they want to place people so they don't over-disclose to people or, you know, or stay away from people that they really want to be connected to. So when they finish that relational boundary process, then they take the deep dive into the, the module called relational alignment. We have a series of modules that consist of our core curriculum. And I don't want to overwhelm the talk right now because it's it it does go very deep. However, the relational alignment module is about looking in the rearview mirror at the child, at the individuation process of the adolescent years, and then the adult. And we flush all those out, and then we introduce the concept of your own healthy adult, which is you in your highest consciousness that's starting to be responsible for those other parts of self. And we do that by going and looking back at feelings and actions that were onboarded at that time. Like, for example, when when my father drowned, my mom married my stepfather, and he was very, very strict. And we had to do a lot of secretive stuff in order to keep the peace in our house. So I onboarded this behavior as a child of secretive behavior. So when I was a teenager, that secretive behavior went with me when I was individuating. So we're drawn to what's familiar regardless of merit. So the secretive behavior as a teen started showing up with food. I would sneak food and then I would, I would purge. I had an eating disorder, really for a while. And then after my mom um, passed away, that sent my trauma in a whole nother sphere, if you will. And then the secretive behavior turned later in life into not using my voice in primary relationships because hiding feelings is a form of secretive behavior. And I had never tracked my secretive behavior and how easy it was for me to have it and not know how to have transparency with discernment because nobody connects the dots. People just talk about the trauma or talk about what's going on. But how do you really sum it up and map it out so that you can have relational alignment as a healthy adult later in life? Does that make sense? Yes, that makes so much sense because childhood drama, trauma and like traumatic experiences sometimes feel silly when you're looking at it through adult eyes. Like, to go back as a 30 something year old woman, like Jen and I are now, and to be like, yeah, I, there was a, you know, my stepfather was strict. So there was things we just didn't tell him. You would never think that was anything. You would just be like, so what? We, every kid does that. Like you would never think that then, you know, that created this process in my adolescent years. And then this reaction in my adult years, connecting the dots is the only way to know that the trauma is actual trauma, because a lot of the times, unless it's like someone was murdered in front of you or something, it's not an obvious thing that you can connect and say, now I've reacted this way because of it. I mean, I had a therapist one time tell me something to that effect. And I remember saying to him, that, that doesn't, I don't think that bothers me. That doesn't bother me. And he said, no, the five-year-old girl inside of you is bothered by that. You have to now figure out why that has carried into now. And that would be what you're, I I don't think I ever did, but that would be connecting the dots because the five-year-old, that thing, that silly thing that bothered me does is like silly now to me. That's right. You're absolutely right. And there are hundreds of different ways that people can onboard behavior. And I've I've been doing this for a long time now, several decades. So I've seen so many different types of patterns and so have some of the other advocates that are working for us now. And it's really beautiful when you can help somebody really understand because it takes the, it, it just puts it out of the back of the brain where you store all your trauma and it throws it right into your prefrontal cortex. So you just become so aware of it. It's like meditation. You're just aware. You just have an awareness about it. I think you know? that's really interesting because also we talk often about like the difference between 
um, you know, being sort of self-aware and what you're putting into your relationships versus the universe having certain things that happen at certain times for you and what's meant to be and not meant to be. And, and I think we live somewhere between the two with taking accountability for our lives and also sort of leaving it, you know, our hands in the air. And for me, for instance, um, I am single. And so I go back and forth between that too, where I'm like, am I doing enough? Am I working on myself enough? Am I putting myself out there enough? Are there things that I'm creating and blockages that I'm not dealing with? And am I really the problem? Or is it really going back to where the universe is just not presenting that person yet because of all these other things that need to happen first? And would you say someone like me or you know our audience that might be single and thinking the same thing should go down this path with you? Or are there other, like, is there something else I could be doing? No, absolutely. We actually have a, a module called dating with a purpose. So when we take you through the core curriculum and then we end it with that, people have caterpillared into really successful dating. Like a lot of times I think that, and I'm, I certainly am not, don't want to appear like I'm taking your inventory and I want to honor you because I don't know enough about you. And I think people are really quick to judge and we're not like that. But what I can tell you is that, you know, there's probably, probably something going on for you that's determining where you're at today. For sure. And to get there, to get to, get to what that is, you know, it, you could get there quickly. So some people that are single and, and you know, they, they're they not really even sure why. So they'll, they'll make a statement and that's a statement that they'll use. Well, I don't have time to date or, you know, there's something wrong with me or maybe there's nobody out there for me or I just haven't met the person yet. And all those answers can be okay. There's, there's no judgment there, but is, is that really the answer? Is that really the answer? And do you really know what you're looking for? Because people that date nowadays, they go out and they're waiting to have that feeling or that connection. And they really date defensively, not offensively. Like I always ask people, my first question is, what are your non-negotiables? And people don't really know what their non-negotiables are. And how do you vet for them? And do you have a dating plan, especially if you're going to do online dating? And do you stick to it? Like, what's your plan? Like, if you get a simple plan in place from, like, our module, then you can go out there and and have great success. And we've had many, 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 many. I mean, I get invited to a lot of weddings, weddings, you know, because people have success because they're purpose-driven in their dating. They're not just, you know, because I'll tell you one thing I've learned One thing I've learned is that long-term relationships, and I do a lot of couples intensives because Pivot also works with couples. And I'll tell you what, the longevity that is necessary to endure a long, healthy relationship is not love. Love is a verb, and the love comes and goes out of the relationship. You know, it's the commitment, it's the consistency, and are you well-met and well-matched? That is what connects a couple for a long period of time because the love is going to come and go and it is a verb that is a great point now that we are going to have a couple of questions about i can already feel myself like thinking of a million things but just to go back for a second you mentioned offensive and defensive dating and i think i know what that means but i kind of want some clarity on that like what would you classify as offensive dating and defensive dating and like is one better than the other and also maybe is there an example so that we can relate it to maybe we're all doing it all of it yes 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 and yes so with defensive and an offensive I always use this little story about selling a house like when you when you're selling a house and you don't disclose everything about the house when they come in to do the inspections they're going to find out and you're going to be screwed So your best bet is to disclose everything up front. Dating offensively is to put out who you are, what you want, and what your non-negotiables are right away. Play offensively. Defensively is let me see what they want, and then I'll give them back what I think they want, and maybe I can serve it up like this because I really like them. 
they don't really need to know this about me or I'll even change that. It's kind of like the old movie that we laugh about. It seems like a big joke. But remember the Julia Roberts movie where she liked the eggs all the different ways that the different guys like the eggs? And at the yeah. end of the movie, she's like, I don't even like eggs. Yes, I love that. that. That's dating defensively. That's not dating offensively. If she was dating offensively, right when she met a guy, she'd be like, hey, man, I don't like eggs. Right. And, and a lot of women or, well, I think women in particularly, but, you know, maybe we can generalize and say both genders and sexes are, but they're afraid to disclose any information about that sort of detailed thing, wants and needs and desires, because it makes them look, the fear is it makes you look desperate or like, you know, like you, you just because you're saying what you want means that now you want to get married to that person right away. And people are afraid to say it because then it makes them look like date number one. They're already talking about marriage. And I think that there's ways to still own what you want and make it clear that you're just saying, I want this in general. I'm not telling you that on date number one, I want to marry you. But when I say that I want to eventually get married and have kids, I mean like in general with whoever it is right. And there's ways to disclose an offensive, offensively date without making yourself sound like you're being overly desperate or eager or thirsty as the as the millennials say. And the other thing too is that you can disclose what you like, but like some people are afraid that that might be off-putting to someone. So like I don't eat red meat, but if I'm waiting for somebody to say what they like, like kind of Julia Roberts with the eggs, I I, I know people don't want to be disliked for something that is true to them. So they're afraid to disclose that they also might like something nerdy or whatever it might be because they fear that giving somebody ammo will be reasons for them not to like them. Like we talk about how girls sometimes say, well, I don't want to text him because I don't want to come off overly eager. Well, if you have something to say, text. Like, or I'm afraid to have sex on the first date because then they're never going to call me again because that's all they wanted. Well, guess what? If that's all they wanted, you're going to find out on the first date or the third date or the eighth date or whenever you decide to have sex. So just do it when you want because then your answer will be clear when it's time. Yeah, and that's and that's different for everybody, right? That's just going to be different for everybody. Yeah, that's personal preference for sure. And we also love that you just mentioned, um, you know, love is is something that comes and goes. And the things that, that remain are when you work on how committed you are and the process of that, because there are ups and downs and ebbs and flows in relationships. So basically what you're saying is, and I think we all want to hear this, is that it's okay to lose passion or a spark or any of those things that doesn't mean the relationship is doomed that's not a sign of okay now we well now we just have to get divorced if there it's a level of commitment that lies underneath that which is what really needs to remain in order to work on you know, uh, making a relationship last forever, if whatever that means. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's, I think what's really important that, that the point that I'd really like to make is what I love about Pivot is every single person is different and unique. And there is no general, there's no generality here because I really do believe that what everybody wants and needs, I mean, when you look at attaching securely, you look at the term attachment and what it really means and how we're attaching to others. If you know what you want and need and can ask for what you want and need, that is a stepping stone into a secure attachment. Because if you don't know what you want and need from another person, whether it's a friendship, whatever it is, if you don't know what that is and you're trying, which we spend a lot of time, that's the relational alignment module piece, the last piece of the deep dive into the past. And it's so important that you really understand that because if you don't, then people onboard ways of connecting to people that are so, so harmful. I mean, other people take other people hostage all the time because they want to make other people responsible for their feelings. Like, you know, I, I work- that really happen? Like what would, what would drive someone to that type of pattern? Well, like say, for example, they, had an, they have an anxious attachment style and they're anxious because they grew up with an alcoholic parent. So they have four eyeballs, two in the front, two in the back, because they're scanning all the time for safety. 
So they, they're, they find this person, they fall in love, and that anxiousness goes right into that relationship. So that person, after the first year, is always going to be feeling the hypervigilance of that anxious attachment from their partner. So instead of really asking for what they want and need, which is probably a little more connection than the norm and a little more communication than the norm, they take the other person hostage and they start criticizing and criticizing and criticizing their partner. And it's never enough. It's never enough. They're not saying the right stuff. They're not doing the right stuff. And then before you know it, these two are guns a-blazing. That's a pivot term. We have a whole vocabulary. It's really quite fun. You, you girls would love it. Things like waiting for Christmas, guns a-blazing, crazy train. You know, we have our whole dictionary that we use. Sounds that, like terms we can relate no, to. that makes sense. And it <laughs> makes it easy to then attach it to like some What's sort happening? of... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Like I've I've been in a re a new relationship now for a while, and it's it's going really well. And this this guy's really great. I mean, really great. And he also comes from childhood trauma and has done his work, so we can communicate. And 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 so far, we're very well met and well matched. And we have a term called guns ablazing at uh, with pivot, and that means when, when you're going to come at somebody and start firing away verbally without really thinking about what you're saying. And the other day, he goes, you know, I want to talk to you about something. And, and he was telling me what he wanted to talk, talk to me about. And he looked at me and he smiled and he said, now save your bullets. Oh, <laughs> That's my cute. gosh. How do you, okay, so Lori, how, Lori Jean, how do you, in, let's say for you, it's different because you're obviously very expert in this realm. But let's say someone who does the pivot process or reads one of your books. Or for you, for example, how do you not analyze somebody that you're dating or like take an opportunity to then sort of coach or analyze somebody through the process when you see the moment? Like, I guess there's a diplomatic way to do it, but how do you sort of keep it separately and then work on a way to open the door to communicate about like how to fix some potential problem without just saying like, okay, what you just did there is guns ablazing. This is how you fix that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what you do is, you know, we have a lot of great language that's very, it's, it's all built out of positive psychology and it's about making connections and honoring people. So, you know, the module that I talked to you briefly about the boundary one, you know, we vet relationships. There's five categories of being in relationship and until somebody makes it to your good category, it's not your job to fix them. So if you're still vetting a relationship to see if that relationship is going to be right for you, then you would know because you've already done the process that you, you just don't do that. That's almost like stealing. You can't do that. You can't try to change somebody. You've got to look at them and honor them for who they are and where they come from so you can see their real truth. Now, if you come together and you go into a relationship and it's going to be long term, then typically people will give an invitation to their partner to also get a pivot advocate so they can have a common language. And those couples do really, really, really well. Or they find out that they're not well met and well matched and they can, you know, they can decouple with respect. So that makes sense. So you guys, not only does pivot help people understand themselves as individuals and it also helps re relationships and people and couples move through something or re or connect even stronger. It also can provide a, a seamless process to help like deconnect somebody too. So it's, it's basically just whatever you need for yourself, your individual or your relationship. And it can end in somebody breaking up or separating if that's what the right thing to do is, but you help people discover what the end goal will be because sometimes people try to stay together and it's just like not right at all. And they're forcing something and you guys have the ability to sort of show them what is best. Even if that's. Yeah, I, went, I flew into New York uh, about a month or two ago and worked with a um, couple that wanted to decouple, you know, um, and it's, we call it conscious uncoupling. And, um, you know, they have four kids and he's, you know, he's pretty, you know, well known and, and they had a lot at stake, you know, and one day with me, you know, for a couple thousand dollars for a full, you know, eight hours, they were and that's, that's our rate for couples for a full day. 
they were so grateful because, you know, they're not going to head to divorce court. They're now going to use just a simple mediator. And we were able to cover, you know, all the important points that they needed to cover in order to consciously uncouple, including how to move forward. And now I'm on their docket for, you know, 150 an hour once a week so that they can stay, stay stabilized for a month. And they're, they're going to be really fine and they're going to be able to co-parent together and those kids aren't going to be caught in their line of fire. That's I mean, really, yeah, that's really important when there's kids involved too. But that, I mean, now that you say it that way, Lori Jean, it makes so much sense. This is a huge deal. Getting into a partnership and leaving a partnership is like a massively large life-changing milestone and moment that affects people on very, very deep levels. And the fact that nobody teaches you how to do that right is insane. It's like Jen and I have talked recently about like, why does nobody teach you how to like deal with taxes and things like that in school? We don't need the Pythagorean theorem. Nobody uses that anymore. Like, why are we not taught these regular life skills? Like, this pivot process could be a class in a school that teaches you how to like deal with relationship issues that are massive. I mean, this affects people in so many ways that it can lead to depression and suicide and so many things. Like it's a heavy, heavy subject and nobody is taught how to deal with it correctly. This, this makes so much sense. And speaking of nobody teaching us originally, would you be able to analyze us? So at least we know where we stand and maybe our situations might be relatable to our audience. I'll take a stab. Great. (laughs) Um, Well, who do you want first? (laughs) I don't care. Okay. How about let's start with me. So analyze Lauren, ask me a question and just go for it. Well, what is it? First of all, what, what is it? I I don't analyze people. So let, let me ask this. Is there a challenge you're having relationally that you'd like to discuss? Um, yeah, I think right now I'm about to have a baby in a couple of months. And so I'm trying to make sure that I'm using my time wisely with my partner and, and focusing on him. And even if it means carving out time for some romantic things, I'm, you know, I want to make sure that happens, but we're both really tired. We just bought a house. We're renovating it and about to have a baby. And I have a stepdaughter as well. So juggling all those things and knowing that life is going to get even more complicated, like I'm afraid that this could become more challenging and that we could end up being like ships passing in the night. And then all of a sudden we'll wake up and be like, we lost our connection. That's a worry of mine. Oh my gosh. So yes, I can totally help you with that. So we have a parenting module and what we do, it's all about creating your own foundation for your family and your family legacy. And so what we do is we take the whole perspective wheel, which is the emotional, intellectual, physical, financial, and spiritual spheres. And we we would talk to you. I would have to do it with you and your husband. But what we would do is we would look at, with you bringing this new baby into your life, what is it that you're going to value that you're going to actually create as your template? It's almost like your own commandments that we help you flush out from those five areas. And then we actually type them up and put them in a really beautiful frame and it goes up on your wall and that's gonna govern your parenting decisions. So then every month what you do is you look at what you're going to be asking of each other and of the end of the kids or whoever lives in the house. And what, what are the consequences that go with what you're asking when the ask is not met? And that includes the two of you. Okay. And that that side work gets done every, every week because what I'm hearing you say is that you have this act hunger to make sure that you stay connected and that this new baby coming in to your house doesn't overwhelm the system so much that everybody's just always playing catch up and scrambling. Yes, exactly. That makes so sense. We look at time management. We look at time management and we look at value. And again, I don't know you, so I it's you know I can't just dive in. I'm in intuiting on a few things but I'm <laughs> if I want to if we should go there right now but um but it really does sound like first of all yay to you for knowing that this is important and you need to pay attention to it and that this could happen 
So that yes. right there is awesome that you can see that. So I just want to say congratulations on that. Oh, thank and you. The next question is, you know, what do you want? Because if you don't co-create with your husband what you want in terms of time management and and how you're going to handle what's about to come into your life, then it won't happen. You you will play defensively. Right. Always picking up, always pushing back, always correcting, always like you won't stay ahead of it. So something yeah. like the parenting module would really help you spell it all out. So then anytime there's conflict or anytime there's celebration or anytime there's a question, you go to that and you ask yourself, okay, this is our governed body here, so to speak. What is it that we need to do in order to make sure that we adhere to what we decided we wanted to create for our own family legacy because oftentimes with parenting people bring in the parts of their own family system that didn't work because we're drawn to what's familiar regardless of merit and they're not even aware that they're doing it right yeah that i love that i love that that governing body to check in with and everything you're saying is it feels totally right so yeah this could be something that we could definitely benefit from and jen what do you feel like is your little issue that you would like Lori to expand on slightly? Um, well, I am single. And so I feel as though there might be something I'm doing that is creating a situation for me not to find love. And I go on plenty of dates. I tell everyone to set me up. I'm very open. However, I also don't find connections with many people. And then I feel like almost when I do find a connection with somebody and I like them, those are the people that aren't interested in me. And I actually, just to be clear, I do not like a challenge. I don't want a challenge. I'm not interested in that. I want somebody who also likes me and I would love to find a partner in life. I also am very happy alone in terms of, I don't need, I, like, I don't need anything. I want someone. So I, I'm not like looking for someone to take care of me or to, make me happy. I'm very happy. And I have great relationships in my life with people that I love, like friends, family. I have an animal. I have great coworkers. I have all the things. So for me, I feel like there's got to be something missing because why am I not finding it? Oh, you're so sweet. You're so cute. You know, I love, I love your confidence and I believe you. And I love that you know that you're okay. So let's just start there. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I think. And I think I think that going out and finding somebody is is you know the fun part. And to get real clear, when you say I like them, but they don't, the ones I really like don't like me. That's that's where I would start with you. It's like, well, how are you knowing that they they're not interested? And when you really like them, what do you really know about them? Like, is there something about them that they're not that they're I'm sensing that you might, and again, we are just playing here because I don't have any data, but I'm sensing that I know you don't need it, but you also might like a challenge and you probably really need somebody that's super confident. And so with that case, sometimes you picking somebody that's super confident might have an underbelly of that confidence being like they're still way too self-absorbed to want to pick a relationship that's going to actually transition into commitment. So there's probably, there's, there's probably a personality type that you're being drawn to because you, I, I'm, I'm also picking up on, you know, when we look at dating with a purpose, we look at who are you intellectually, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and financially. And then what do you want out of somebody in those five areas? And then what are your non-negotiables? So in those non-negotiables, what we do is we work with you to give you the questions that you need to ask. Not that you go out with the clipboard and sit down and drill them. It's like, what's important to you? Like one of the things that I didn't want to do was I didn't want to be with a guy that watches a whole lot of porn. Now, I don't mind porn. I don't have a porn is bad t-shirt. I'm not some old fody that doesn't, you know, not cool. But I'll tell you what, I've seen porn kill relationships and I also did not know it, but was dating a sex addict for a while. And it didn't come out until later. And this is several decades ago before I developed Pivot. So keep that in mind too. So when I got healthy, really healthy, really well, and then started working in this industry and then created the Pivot process, 
one of the things that I wanted to invent to look at was, you know, what is your relationship with corn? And so that's one of the questions I would ask on date two. And if I could have a freaking camera to show you <laughs> the responses, because I would ask it just like that. I mean, it was like so telling. Like some people got so excited. They thought that, you know, oh my God, you know, which was so telling that they're probably really, really into it. You know, you just get a lot of information, but you have to determine what are your non-negotiables. That was one for me. So what are yours and how do you ask for them? And are you asking early enough? Because they might be picking up on something about you that's a non-negotiable for them and you guys aren't even talking about it. So you're not getting the information. Because when somebody says, oh, we're just not a match, that's that's a cop out. That all makes so much sense. And I mean, again, going back to what you said about confidence. So I thank you for seeing that in me. I do feel very confident and I do need that in somebody else because otherwise, like, if they're not, I'm not going to find them attractive if they're insecure or like, I guess, less alpha than me. And not that I want to be alpha. I just sort of feel I might be if we're using labels, but I need somebody who I can trust and find like security in and feel like they're my rock. So I don't have to always be the one to work so hard in like all of the things that I feel like I work hard in, in my just day to day. I want to have a partner that I can also trust to make great decisions and have our back. And, um, I guess in all of those different, like five areas feel like I, I I've met my match in those areas versus me carrying the weight in any of them. Like, I don't want to teach them. I want us to learn together or maybe we teach each other things, but like we're already really strong in certain areas so we can only enhance each other's lives versus like pulling someone along with us or saving them. Like I'm not trying to do that. I want an awesome person already. Yeah. So here's a tip for you. So what I'm hearing you say is it's important for you that you, you probably would commit to somebody that had a high level of emotional intelligence. Because when we're talking about intelligence, I'm talking about right now, not the intellectual sphere, the emotional sphere. And you need somebody with a high level of emotional intelligence. And one of the ways that you can vet for that is ask them things like, hey, I'm just really curious. You know, emotional intelligence has been something that's been important to me because of who I am and what I do. And I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. And, you know, you'd be surprised how many people don't even know what that is. And if they don't know what that is, that's a huge red flag. If they know what it is and they're interested in talking to you about emotional intelligence, that's a really good sign. And then maybe on the next day, you just say, hey, I'm curious. Like, how do you, how do you resolve conflict in relationships? Like, if whether at work or with a family member or maybe a past relationship, like, how do you, what do you think about resolving conflict? That's a really good question to ask if you're looking for somebody with a high level of emotional intelligence. Oh, that's so helpful. I think we all are. And that is actually a really interesting thing to say because you wouldn't think to ask that, but it is very telling about how somebody is going to communicate and react in a relationship with you. And that's like a main, main point that I think people just gloss over and they go straight for like the, maybe I'm using this wrong, but the guns ablaze and like, I want to get married and have kids and like rapid fire all these questions. These other ones are like much more deeper and going to lead you down the path of figuring out if someone really does have that level of commitment that matches up with yours. And your over the, over the phone analytics were, I think, pretty spot on. Yeah. So imagine what it's like if you guys dive into this this pivot process or read the healthy adult book or whatever levels you want to get in. I mean, it's it's clearly very effective and useful. And Lori Jean, please remind everyone where they can find you and any of these wonderful relationship tips that you have to give. Oh, you're so sweet. Sure. So you can find us at lovetopivot.com. That's a, that's a website that you can find us on. We're actually revamping the website. We have a new one coming out in two weeks. It's going to be way easier to understand. So I'm super excited about that. And then um, the book, Hashtag Healthy Adult, you can buy that on Amazon. And um, it's, you know, just put in hashtag healthy adult, all one word, and, and it'll come up. And, um, you can, you can really, that's the best way to get a hold of us is love to pivot.com L O V E T O P I V O T.com. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much. And everyone, don't forget to tune in next week for an all new episode where we talk more dating and relationshipy stuff with our guest, author, and midlife dating coach, Jonathan Osley. And if you want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to join us, um, obviously, on social media at Complicated Show. And it's complicated wherever you get your podcasts to rate and comment on our show. And don't forget, always tell a friend. And you can follow me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social media sites as well. And you can follow me at Jennifer Golden on all the social meds as well. And we will be back next week for another episode. Love Love you you long time. You're listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. 